Blog Talk Radio. I want to welcome y'all to Club Coffee Smoke. Y'all make some noise over here, y'all. Just the other day, something was stressing me. Then I realized, I realized, with all the shit I see, motherfuckers is crazy. show with that little bitty ditty called Let It Go. Um, that was one of our older songs. For the old that know anything about world movement records, y'all know where that one came from. Anyway, welcome to the show. This is I Am Indy, and I am your host, Lamont Patterson. Today we got a great show lined up for all my entrepreneurs, entertainers, artists, friends, managers, producers, and actors, and all that good stuff. We have a gentleman joining us today shortly, uh, Lauren Wiseman. And, and let me see if he's in the building. Uh, Mr. Wiseman, are you with us? Yes, sir. I'm here. Oh, thank you so much today for joining <laughs> us, man. Great. You took time out of your busy schedule to come through and holler at us. We appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Uh, we well, you got definitely got a, a, a wealth of information that uh, I'm sure all our listeners can um, benefit from. But brief, let me give a brief introduction. Uh, this is Mr. Lauren Wiseman, who's a, a brand marketing uh, strategist and, and, and counselor. Um, he also has his own radio show on iHeart. Is that correct? Wait, uh, what really okay branding? That's true. Wait, what really okay? Wow, man! I'm such an honor to have you on the show because um, I got a gang, a gang of questions, man, and I know we got a bunch of listeners that really, really, really want to hear what's going on because the industry has changed 
um, so much in in the last 20 years. But briefly, Mr. Wiseman, uh, let me give you the floor, and and I'd kind of like you better if you kind of give the audience a little bit who you are, the ones that don't know you. Sure thing. My brief story, brief, I came up, I always wanted to be a drummer, so picked up the drums, went to Berkeley College of Music for a minute, dropped out, because you know what they say about Berkeley, uh, you drop out, you, you can become a musician, if you graduate, you're going to be a professor. <laughs> and, hey, you know, reality. I, I went into um, I went into Virgin Records with a, with an artist, and then I found a cat down in New York who told me he goes, "Look, you're tall, you're hairy, you're scary. Uh, you could be drumming on a lot of things, but you're never going to be the drummer." And so he introduced me to what ghost drumming was in the in the '90s. So that that thing where it wasn't always the same cats on the drums, it wasn't always the same cats, you know, as what you saw in the video. And I got into a world where there's a lot of non-disclosure agreements, a lot of confidentiality, but I got to work on projects from the multi-million dollar ones to the, we're just trying to get this up and going with a couple hundred bucks and everywhere in between. About 700 albums later, I crossed over into producing. I went into television for a bit. And then with my second book, I was on the road uh, sharing with musicians and music businesses about the artist guide to success in the music business and more people that were not musicians were showing up at the events, and so I, I crossed over. I still I still deal in music, but I'm doing a lot more talking around the world now uh, for branding and just ideas inside of art, entertainment, and everywhere. I just I just got back from Bahamas. Uh, we had a cool CEO cruise. I'm heading to uh, let's see. I'm going to Maui next month. We're doing Africa. We're doing Kenya in July, and we're just go, going all around the world to you know, share ideas that can be implemented and get away from the hype that a lot of people are sharing in the music business that is just not true. So that's me. Wow. Yeah. And, uh, you know, uh, you know, it's amazing because, you know, I, I have a lot of different entertainers on, on this show and that from, you know, the younger ones that's coming into the business versus some of the old school artists that's out today. And, and, and it's amazing the gap between, the artists that are out there today that have been out there that have no idea how important um, the social networking is in, in terms of being active these days. Oh, absolutely. If, if, you, if you're looking at it, and it's the same thing from when I was coming up, if you're just buying into the story, if you're subscribing to the hype, if you're not looking a little bit deeper and realizing you have to engage, and the biggest, the number one mistake, let's get it right out, you know, in the beginning here, the number one mistake musicians are making is disrespecting their biggest fans. They're only pushing to the people that have maybe have heard in passing or haven't heard of them at all. They're not continuing to engage the people that are the closest, that are the, that are the ones that know the groove, the story, the, the, the vision. And by not connecting and engaging with that base, they're just losing it. I don't care if you have 60,000 followers or 59,000 of them are blocking you because they're bored from you. I understand. And, and ladies and gentlemen, this happens to be the topic of the show today, how to engage fans to keep them connected to you and your music. And, and that is a, a great uh, topic, Lauren. Thank you. <laughs> because, you we, know, you like... Know, we, uh, 
it, it it was a time where, um, well, when I started in the business many, many years ago, and I don't even want to date myself, you know, it was a whole different era, and it took a whole week, a week and a half to get a, uh, a album, you know, um, to Asia. Now we're in a time where you could do it in, in 30 seconds, and we used to have one-stops and, and record stores on, you know, every corner. But the business has changed so, 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 so much. I don't know. Man, was was the Internet to you a good thing, or do you think it hurt the business? I go, I go back and forth on it. I think the Internet is a good thing, but people have not changed their ways and adjusted. Just like what you said a second ago, it could take a while to get something over to Japan. Now that you could get it to Japan, you know, in, in an email clip, the one thing that an artist needs to do, and anybody listening right now, do you have any friends who speak Japanese? Can you do an album cover? Can you do a song sung by a Japanese artist of your track, your material, your loop, your beat? And as you send it over there, now you're an ambassador to Japan. So before, you, you, we didn't have that ability. But now go on to Fiverr. Go catch, a, go catch a kid at a college that can speak another language. Be an ambassador. Stand out. People aren't using the Internet to stand out and be seen. They're just trying to be heard, and they're overselling. Mm-hmm. Well, you just dropped some jewels right there, and I hope our listeners pick that up because a lot of them don't even know about Fiverr. Oh, you know, Fiverr, I mean, the other thing, too, is Noem, K-N-O-W-E-M. Noem.com is one of the biggest branding tools that some of the biggest organizations use to brand. But guess what? Regardless of what level you are as a musician, you can use it too. You go in there, you, you plug in a name, whether it's going to be for an album, whether it's going to be for your artist name. You can immediately see if it's, a, if it's available in .com, .net, .org, if there's a trademark available, what social media sites are available, what social media sites aren't. When you are branding online today, you don't need to spend major, major money. You just got to get the organization on the front side. I tell every single artist out there, and it's the same thing with every single business, you still need to be on MySpace. You don't need to be active on MySpace, but it should be MySpace.com slash your brand, your name, whatever it is, with your logo, your font, your colors pointing back at the website or the social media where you're most active. The bands, even when we were doing this with the big labels, we go into this, we go into this site, you could grab 500 social media sites point them all back to where you're supposed to be. And in turn, no one else can take that name. All too often, we're grabbing this, this Twitter handle, this Facebook handle, this one, that one. People don't know what they're searching for, what they're finding, right from the root of it. You're thinking about naming yourself something. Okay, it came up as a great name to you. Check how you can penetrate online because the people that are taking the time to figure that out are getting more eyes and more sales. Question two. Um, I I know. Um, damn, I just had a brain for it. Golly, that's terrible. <laughs> What's that? <laughs> it's okay, man. Question right there, man. Look, it was important too. Anyway, let's let me jump to this. And I know it'll come back in a second. I mean, one of the key points that that you have is marketing on the music is not working these days. Uh, speak to us a little bit about that. You know, the, the music, for when, you, when you're marketing a song, okay, I'm dropping a single. Most people, that's exactly what they're doing. It's dropping on the floor. 
They're talking about a single release. They don't do anything more than, you know, pop it out through social media and tell people to share, share, share. Share this, like this, friend this, buy this. I mean, the crowdfunding campaign, it's the same thing. I need, to, I need artists, and artists today need to think about the endurance of the song. You know, the whole idea of what could you tell them about your life, about where you are, about how they're going to engage. And maybe that one level of engagement is not necessarily going to keep them in check, but the next one will. What do you, you know, I mean, wherever, you're, wherever you are, whatever you do, it's got to go from that mindset of how am I going to engage the three audiences, the people that love me the most, the people that have no idea who I am, and the people right there in the middle that are familiar to cross over. So for, for an artist to share a song and say, hey, I got, this, I got this new song, we want to see if you can find where we dropped a bottle right in the middle of it. The take was so strong for the drummer. If it, if it was a live drum, we dropped the bottle. And half the time when we used to do this kind of thing, we would specifically feed in the sound of the drop bottle. See if you can find it. If you can, we're going to give you a $50 gift certificate to some restaurant. Popped out 50 bucks, but you have... of people trying to download a 99-cent single to see if they can find something so they can go get a free dinner. And in turn, it's an Easter egg. So now they're psyched. They're digging the single. They've listened listened for it to try to find it a number of times. Now they're grooving. Now the hook is in their head. Now they're sharing with friends. It can be – it's – it's all, those small little, it's all those small little things that people want to know. They don't care, oh, man, my, thank you for my 10,000th follow. I tell people flat out, shut up, because now you're disrespecting follower number one to, 900, to 9,999. Instead of, <laughs> yeah. instead of you know, bringing out this 10,000th follower of going and this whole I'm so humbled by, no, you're not. You're showing off. If you're doing, you're doing something, you want to talk about bringing people to awareness, whether it's the amount of followers, whether it's what's going on, bring them a different story. You're playing a gig somewhere. Stop saying, tonight I'm here. Talk about that venue. You're in Vegas, right? Are you, are you located in Vegas? No, I'm in, I'm, I was. I'm in L.A. now. Oh, you're in L.A. now. Okay. So, you know, like you, maybe somebody's got a gig at the Mint. You know, tell a little bit of a story about how the mint came to be. Tell a little bit of the story about the food. There's a little Mexican place that's two blocks away that's not too shabby from the mint. That might have closed down the other year. I can't remember. I left L.A. about four years ago. But, you know, and then the close is after you get the Mexican food, I'll be at the mint tonight at 930. So now somebody sees that post or they come across that in three months, it's still activating for them. We're not engaging people. Musicians, businesses, there's no engagement. It's come, 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 give, give, give. You share a fact with them with something they don't expect, they don't know, they're going to come back to you. And it's also about getting people out of the mindset of going, Facebook is unfair. It's not showing my stuff in other people's feeds. That's selfish, that's passive, and that's submissive. Instead of that mindset, flip the switch to how can I create content that when somebody logs on to Facebook, they're going to go right to my feed. That's dominant. That's aggressive. That's assertive. Right. I, I know what my question was, uh, uh, Lauren. I, you know, um, I wanted your feeling on something because I know there was there was a time where, you know, in the music, uh, the music was really um, uh, 
uh, graded, I guess, the music. I mean, the artists, the songs, and everything. Now, now it seems like if you don't have enough numbers in terms of your views, your Instagram, and your Twitter, and whatever else you're using, people don't even listen to the music. How, how do you feel about that? It's based on the numbers yeah. is what I'm saying. It seems like it's based on the numbers opposed to the music first, then the numbers. It seems like it's the numbers first, and then they'll listen. You know, I, I, I see that. I, I've, I've seen that to an extent, but what we've got to get away from is that, they, that you can buy numbers. I can go, I can go get you know, 100,000 followers on Twitter. I don't have the engagement. Now, yeah, some people are impressed by the numbers, but when you turn around and make yourself bigger than the numbers, I was speaking on a stage uh, a couple months ago, and people were making fun of me saying, you have the lowest Twitter count of any speaker here. And I said, okay. I said, I, have, I also have the most authentic speaker count of any speaker, uh, authentic count of any speaker here because all 6,000 of mine I know are engaged and connected to me. I said, you know, you, you, look at these, you look at these things. I mean, really, I dig into an Alexa ranking. I go look at a website. When somebody talks about how big they are, how they do all these things, the first thing I'm going to run to is, and it's a Google Chrome plugin that you can all get called Open SEO Stats. When somebody says, I'm this, I'm that, go, it's, it's, a free, it's a free plugin. It was formerly called PageRank Status. You can see the rank of that website. And then from there, from further on, and remember, we've got 1.6 billion websites in the world. When right. somebody's talking about, you know, all of this, if they're, if they're not under the million mark, or, or, or really, if they're not under the 10 million mark, there's really no traffic going on. If they're under the million mark, then you're seeing something a little bit more true. Now, the same thing goes. What's the rank in the United States? And even in this free thing, you can see how long people spend on your website, which this is why inside of your website, have those players for the YouTube page. Have those audios and the blogs and the radio show players available there. Keep people on your website because you can fake views on YouTube. You can fake uh, followers on Twitter. You can fake friends and likes on Facebook. You can't fake Alexa. You can go right now. Any one of you can go to the Alexa info on my site. I'm a, I am the uh, 730,000. Right now I'm 149,000, the, the highest level in, in the United States. People spend an average of 30 minutes on my site. This, tells, this automatically showcases authority. Now, getting back to your answer, sorry for the long-winded, when someone says, well, I'm not going to look at anything that doesn't have under 10,000. Okay, well, go look at my content. Go look at a couple of these videos. Go look at how this stuff is branded and organized and optimized. Go see that if you book, if you book someone like me or you search for some of these terms, it automatically comes to me. That kills numbers every single time. This is, you know, I mean, this event I'm doing overseas in July. There were, you know, oh, well, we need to see, I mean, if you don't have 100,000 Twitter followers, I said, most people don't. And, and it, it opened up their eyes, and I still got that booking. We can do the same thing in music. Stop worrying. Stop focusing on the play count and focus on engaging posts to get more people to play your music. If you only had, right. you know, maybe one of your artists, if they only had a 1,000 friends on Facebook and a 1,000 people following on Twitter, 
but they were making you and them a half a million dollars a year, then who cares? Show the real numbers over and, and teach these people, hey, you know, if you really need me to have 10,000 followers on Instagram, give me a minute. I'll go get them. They're not going to be real, but is that really what you want? Because that is opening the door. And when I speak to labels and I speak to management companies and say, well, we need to see this, shouldn't we? I tell them the same thing I'm telling you. Absolutely not. The, the, the game has changed. The game right. seven years ago, they wanted to see the numbers. Now, the numbers can be faked. Sorry, I went a little long on that one. <laughs> and, and, I, and I think a lot of companies and a lot of think, uh, um, uh, individual artists are starting to find that out, too, because the numbers that they buy, you know, they look very impressive today. And about three or four days down the road, they done fell off. <laughs> exactly. No, and, they, and that's the thing is they go away. Because <laughs> there's, there's no engagement. I mean, that's what you're saying. There, there, there's no engagement. So they just fall off because they fake anyway. And then, and then from that, I mean, there was somebody that showed me this site, and then it was they had big hit, and all of a sudden overnight, and I said, "Did you do a national press release? No. Did you do a major A level, B level, or C level ad campaign? No. Did you, did you go on to some site there and buy up for your site to be dropped onto, or your page to be dropped onto a thousand sites autom- automatically? Yep. There you go. It's the same thing with Facebook. People were sharing a, a week ago." Uh, you know, in, in the past number of weeks, you, you know, the algorithm on Facebook has changed. So if you say hi down here, have you seen have you seen how the lot Right, right. Yeah, yeah, I saw that. I saw that. Here's the kicker. It's all it's all BS. I don't know if I'm allowed to swear. I won't. It's all BS. What's what what actually is happening? And the truth of it is, people bought into a viral hoax and they started sharing it. The change algorithm was on December seventeenth. And what it is is it's Facebook, Google, and Yahoo going back to social media being social. So one of the elements in the algorithm where everyone was saying just say hi is hurting more than helping because if you just have somebody saying hi, writing something that has nothing to do with the post above, then it makes it look like that post is being spam generated to be seen more. All the people that bought into the viral hoax, it's screwing up their connections you're not just seeing 25 or 26 of the same people. That, that was just, it was a false thing to be put out there. The real algorithm that came out in December and the next one that's about to come out mid-year, it's all on social. You, you can't, you, you've got to get out of the mindset of check this out, buy this, here's my link. You have to lead with engagement. Leading with engagement is going to allow posts to go up higher. And at the same time, as they do that with the algorithm, if you're leading with engagement, if you're leading with a story, more people are going to want to listen to it from the people that know you the most to the people that have no idea who you are. It's smarter marketing to get more fans. Well, I guess that's why um, our listeners need gentlemen like yourself and for those who just uh, joined us, we're talking with Mr. Lauren uh, Wiseman. The call-in number here is 347-308-8747. Press number one on your phone and join us if you have a question or two. We don't mind hearing from you. So, um, um, Lauren, uh, do you brand artists yourself, uh, work with albums uh, directly? I I do a little bit. I I prefer to work with the managers. I I prefer to work with the publishers. I 
I, I prefer to I prefer to work with the agents that have a little bit more of a sense of what's going on. I, I, I got up from a meeting today. I sat I, I was sitting uh, a group of people and I said, look, you know, best of luck to all of you. Um, I just I can't connect with this. <laughs> it was it just the the delusions of well I heard and we'll see. My opinion is this. I, I have no problem when people have opinions. But when you can back up something and showcase this is a fact, and here's how it's a fact, if you have 50 bucks, 500 bucks, 5,000, 500,000, or 5 million, and it's proven, that's a fact. Now, when you, turn, when you have these people saying, well, I heard, or I think, or I feel, okay, I feel too. I wish, I wish the industry was not what it is. I wish the Taylor Swift story actually happened the way that the Taylor Swift story. I wish the cats like P. Diddy came up the way that they claim to. But, but oftentimes <laughs> there's a lot more of a backstory. There's a lot more going on. I mean, people forget about the reality, the way money shifts from, from rap to country, from rock to grunge. Yeah, everyone's like Nirvana came out of right. Seattle out of nowhere. Nirvana, was, Nirvana had venture capital money to send them overseas to develop them into not just the grunge sound, but getting everybody to wear the same crap. And this whole vibe where, in, in a sense, it just wasn't even real. I mean, you go back, go back to the cats, and, and I, I came from New England, and, and I'm not going to date myself, but I was there at the time when, like, that pop rock and that hip-hop and, I mean, I, I mean, record scratching and Grandmaster Flash, and this was something that I thought at the time. I said, all drummers need to be listening to this. Oh, no, that's electronic drums. I'm like... It might be loops, but they're bringing back the James Brown. They're bringing back Funky Drummer. They're bringing back pieces, and they're finding yeah. ways to, to develop this. So I came up, I mean, I was listening to Bon Jovi, Tribe Called Quest, uh, I mean, Emily Smith, Jazz. I mean, it was, it was all over the mark, and that helped me as a drummer. It helped me, you know, with the studio gigs. But in, in, that, in, in that time, I mean, there were the stories that was like, well, that seems too good to be real. And I mean, you go, you go back, you go back to those producers. I mean, even Quincy Jones right now coming out, you know, he's opening his mouth saying what happened. It wasn't always Ringo. It wasn't always Ringo on the drums. Aretha Franklin's drummer went in there and kicked some tail. And it's funny because they're like, no, it was always Ringo. It was always Ringo. I play these Beatles albums. I go, hear this? Here's Ringo holding on for dear life. Hear the next track? That is a superb <laughs> drum. <drummer. laughs> that is Bernard Purdy. <laughs> What, what did you think about uh, uh, what did you think about Mitch Mitchell? Oh, I dug Mitch Mitchell, but you know it's funny. I did a project with Noel Redding, uh, Jimmy's Jimmy's bass player. And right, I know. I, you know, I sat I sat down with him, and I was really excited. It was like it was, it was after this this gig, and, and I was just like, man, some of those lines you played. He's like, no, that was Jimmy. I'm like, that all along the watch. No, that was Jimmy. I said, well, what about Mitch? <laughs> He goes, Mitch was a great live drummer. I'm like, what? He goes, I, I, he goes, I'd say Jimmy was drumming on 90% of the stuff. And, I mean, Jimi Hendrix could just wail on drums, and he could wail on bass. And I don't know if you ever heard it. I heard a track of it. It was uh, He was heading in this weird jazz direction. And, I mean, it was right around the time that he died. But, I mean, that, that cat, people, what they think of, of Jimi Hendrix and rock and roll, that dude was like the Mensa of rock, soul, and jazz, and people never got to experience it. 
Well, I came into I came into Jimmy's world um, right after he left uh, Ike Turner because I was doing some recording over at Ike Turner Studio. And, oh, sweet. Um, you know, uh, what you call it, you know, Jimmy played with Ike for a brief minute, you know, yep. right before he blew up. You know, a lot of people didn't know that, but right before he blew up and Ike was a fool and let Jimmy get away, and right after that, you know, Jimmy took off. Yeah, I remember but, seeing uh, some of those pictures of, like, the what, what did he have? He had, like, that little, like, bouffant and tie just hiding in the background. Uh, I mean, just, just not what not what people remember Jimmy Hendrix looking like. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> that so is too know. cool. That is too cool, man. I that, man, that must be. You must have some stories about that. Wow. <laughs> I know. I was just telling my girl today that uh, you know um, I'm gonna write a book. I'm gonna start on my book because I've been you know thinking about some of the stuff and. Some of the uh, people that influenced me. Do you remember this group called Can Heat? Oh, of course. Yeah. Uh, so that's kind of like where I was, like in the um, mid, um, I guess early to mid seventies. You know, outside of the group, you know, that I toured with. But I was a Can Heat and um, what is it, Joel Crocker, dude, Joe Crocker. Oh man, nice! Hey, did you ever come across? Uh, you ever come across Mitch Mitchell? I'm uh, no, not Mitch Mitchell. I'm sorry, uh, uh, Mitch Shakur. Mitch Shakur. No. He was, he was back back when that canned heat and, and, and Cocker time. He was uh, he was doing some keyboards uh, back with him. Uh, I, I mean, just just a cool cab. Now I loved. I, I, I love canned heat. I think I think more people and maybe more of your listeners like. Dig, dig into those sounds. I mean, there, there is. I mean, that that wasn't just blues. That was interpretation of blues, and and just the different, uh, the, the different direction of those cats, and I mean, all the different lineups. Wow, that was oh, a yeah. Bob Hype. I mean, it, it was like a different time too, Lauren, because we all came from bands, even from 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 church to elementary school, junior high school, high school. You know, we all sang in choirs and. Um, you know, played some type of instrument, you know. So, you know, when we got when we, in that age group, you know, we heard, you know, like, um, you know, James Brown and, uh, you know, the Horny Horns and, you know, uh, Cold Train and some of these other guys are just heavy into the actual music, you know. There were just more bands, more music, even in schools. And, and I hate that today. And, uh, and if I ever get in a position, if I ever run for president, we're going to put the arts back in the school from the elementary school level. I would love to, I would love to see that. And I would vote for that. I think that we, I, I, I'm in, in total agreement with you. We get, we got to, we got to bring the arts back as you're saying, but we got to bring it back with that level of education, that sense of saying, how do I, you know, listen to music and not, and not, I mean, one of the things I think that would be important and I think is important to the arts, we can't judge art. Like, you know, there's certain stuff that I do not like. There's stuff I don't like, but that's my opinion. And I am no, right. I am no, more, no more than you, no more than any other musician. If, man, if you're into Taylor Swift, then be into Taylor Swift. If you think Taylor Swift is the greatest musician in the world, you have every right to think that. Where I see some of the problems that have happened with arts is where it turns into people judging and being, Taylor Swift sucks. Like, okay. 
That's your opinion. No, Taylor, Taylor Swift sucks. I've had people sit down and talk to me and go, well, you know music more than I do. I said, no, absolutely not. I don't know music more than you do. I've been in the music business. I play with a lot of musicians, but my opinions on music are absolutely no better than someone that's just, you know, just listening to music for the first time. I mean, art is opinion. Opinion is subjective. And if we can bring that into the schools and allow people when they share music that they like, the reason why they like it, not say this is the best guitarist, this is the best drummer, this is the best keyboard player, more of I think this is the best drummer to me because, and now we're opening up dialogue. You just made me think of something funny, Lauren. You know, I've had people come to me, um, <clears throat> come to me as, you know, the label, you know, wanting me to, you know, sign them or take them on. And, you know, uh, they they want me to listen to their music, you know, and I do. And they say, did you like it? Did you like it? Did you like it? I say, yeah, yeah, you know. And then they say, oh, okay. So, you know, they get all excited because what they're really looking for, you know, is an investor, really. Um, yep. You know, somebody somebody with bags, but they really want you to like it so you can really take it on. And the next thing I say, you know, I, I like it, but it's really not important that I like it. It's only important that everybody else like it because I only got one vote. <laughs> you know what I mean? Exactly. How many how many hits, Lord? How many hits, Lord, have you heard that you thought was just totally booty, just totally bullshit? I mean, but and they became too hits. Many, so, too many. You know, <laughs> from this well, side of the mean, table, you know, from oh, this, from this side of the table, you know, it's funny. You know, it don't really matter if I like it or not. But as a musician, as an entertainer, I have my opinion. But if I'm going to be on the business side as a president of a label, man, it's not. It's good if I do, but it's only important that everybody else do. It's so, it's so funny. You know, I would get – I got gigs where it was you got, you got a flat fee, you got fee and performance royalties, or you got just performance royalties. And I remember there was one track, and I'm not going to name it. It still bites me in the, uh, in the backside. This was around 2001. And I came in, and I just thought this thing was going nowhere. And I looked at it from a business standpoint, and I looked at it from a song standpoint, and I'm like, this thing isn't going anywhere. I will take full pay. I walked out of there with just a little shy of a grand for one song. I was doing, I mean, it was a good time. I was doing well at that point uh, with, with, with drumming. A whole bunch of other people, I don't know what they knew or what they heard. They were all taking, you know, points and a little bit of money or, or all points. The song went to number two later that year and sat there seven months so the the just shy of a grand 900 i know people that made 90,000 that were session players on that off of you know off of points over the i mean it took a couple of years to get to that point but i mean it's you you really never know you're i mean it's perfect like you say when i used to do the music conferences and people say i want to sit down and play you my music i said look you have me right now from my experience and what i know in branding and what i know from producing what i know from a lot of areas don't waste that time with me for me to listen and give you an opinion that could be elsewhere. Let's talk about your brand. Let's talk about the marketing plan. Let's talk about the things that could help regardless of the song. You want me to sit down and listen to all your music. I'll give you opinions, but all they are is a t- all they are opinions. <laughs> Nothing more. Yeah, and that that is so true. And that brings me on to my next question. As an artist, where should they be online and on social media today, in your opinion? You know what we were saying? We were saying right in the beginning, everywhere. My, uh, I got a two-year-old daughter. 
<laughs> she she uh, she got a little sick with that neurovirus thing, and she 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 got over it. She she just she woke up one night. It was one of the first times she threw up, and she's been saying she she laughs at it now, and she goes, "Oh, a little bit of macaroni showed up." She goes, "Macaroni everywhere." And now, ever since she said that, when people ask that question, I say social media everywhere. Every single <laughs> social media site that you can possibly be on, be on it. Put your logo, put your bio, put your links, send them back to where you want to be. Get everywhere. And just, I mean, even just in the quickest rundown, and people say, oh, I don't have the time to, you know, work on all those. You don't have to work on all those. You just have to be there so that nobody else can take them right off the bat. And maybe if, you know, maybe if you have the rewind capability or the re-listening, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, Google+, Tumblr, Instagram, About Me, Ello, BuzzFeed, Flickr, MySpace, Spreaker, Pinterest, LinkedIn, SoundCloud, Daily Motion, Reverb Nation, Reddit, Tag, Vimeo, Goodreads, Ask, StumbleUpon, Photolog, LiveJournal, Rivalry. KiwiBox, Influencer, Snapchat, Photo Bucket, Issue, Imgur, Hub Pages, and about 200 more. And when you set up an Excel sheet, set up the name of the site, set up the login for you, what you have for a password so you can maintain all these things, just update, point them to where you're most active. And then that way, somebody else comes along or you start to get really big, they're not going to take your name, they're not going to mess with your brand, and you're going to save a fortune. We're talking fortune in SEO elements because this same name and this same brand is everywhere. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's, that's important stuff. And I was going to ask you, because uh, you list a few of important sites for people to be on, but but you did that more than I had expected. And I know that people that just joined the show will be able to go back and play this over and over again and make notes, because I think you gave them about 20 just without even thinking about it. <laughs> well, no, and I want I want you to think about things. How, how many of your how many of your listeners out there um, are familiar with the site Canva? Or, or are you familiar with it? But, no, I was just going to say I'm pretty sure not not many. That don't mean much because I didn't. No, I don't. How you spell that? C A N V A. It's Canva.com. Canva makes you a graphic designer. Canva. I I did something. And I'm I'm working on a deal with Canva. If you go if you go to LaurenWiseman.com or you look up my wise words, some of my quotes. You go to my Instagram.com slash Lauren Wiseman. All of those are made with Canva. It's a free graphic tool. And people, I was a drummer. I'm not that bright. I could figure this thing out, and it's free. There is an, up, there is an upgraded level where you pay like five or six bucks a month, or it's somewhere between five and nine. But you can pull your brand, your logo. You can piece it in with different license-free backgrounds. You can create electric images. And I'll tell you, if you spend a little time running around on my website, you spend a little time on my pages, I created some of my speaker pitches. I created a whole bunch of documentation using Canva for free. I hired someone to do my main brand. And, and, and that's another thing. You're looking for a logo. You're looking for a font. Design it with somebody on Fiverr and then take that to somebody that can – you know, do the final pieces that need to be done. Too many people are spending too, either way too little or way too much on logos. 
get that basic logo into place. Every, everything from your, your, your tagline to your font to your color scheme, let the uniformity of your brand allow the creativity of your message to constantly change, but still coming back to that core brand that defines you. I think my pet peeve is business people's business cards, Lauren. I maybe shouldn't say that. Oh, yeah. Oh, you know, because I have a tendency, you know, I, I've always, like, raised lettering, and I think when you branding your company or yourself, stuff like that's important. Take a couple of dollars and invest it in yourself. Uh, get away from these uh, computer-generated, uh, <laughs> you know, plain paper uh, business cards. <laughs> you know, if, if you can take that time to just do a little bit of a design that, again, hits with your brand. If I see your card, if I see a piece of paper, if I see the top of a social media site, do I know that it's still you? Too many people mix too many different things up, and it gets confusing. I don't want to be confused. I want to know wherever I go that it's you. So if you have one, you got one shot here, another picture there, you've got to respect that there are people that don't know who you are, and you've got to respect that people aren't necessarily looking for you. So giving them that reinforcement, it's everything. So, 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 so very true. You know, where do you, where do you that, see, I mean, and, and t- talking to your fans and you as, as an investor, as a publisher, as a label, you know, you want to sit, you want to sit down and, you know, and approach someone like, uh, like, like Lamont Patterson. You want to do that? Are you making a fool out of yourself? Do you realize how many times, and I'm saying this not to you, man, I'm saying this to the people that talk to you. Do you realize how many times and how many lines Lamar has heard in all the years that he's been in, in music? Would you like to respect <laughs> I, him? Hey, you know what I asked him, Lauren? I asked him, what can you tell me or what can you ask me that I haven't heard? What, what can you say to me that I haven't heard before? Exactly. So, so I'm gonna sign me. I'm gonna make you sign me. I'm gonna make you rich. I'm gonna I'm gonna blow your company up. I'm gonna do this and that. I'm gonna be the best artist in the world and all that. And I'm this and I'm that. And I'm like, man, um, yeah, you probably will if I put a million or two behind you. <laughs> yeah, you, you look like a, a big bill that talk. Exactly. So right off the bat. With you, and I, I, I say this directly to anybody that's thinking about I, I've been waiting to call them on. Oh, Mr. Patterson, let me tell you what I can do. Everything that you think he can do, he's heard other people. He's heard other people say. That adjustment inside of your pitch is everything. What is going to make you walk away? I'm sorry, what is going to make Lamont walk away and say, I need to pay attention. This might be worth developing. Inside of your humility, Inside of your integrity, inside of your authority as a musician, what you're willing to do, where you're willing to go, that's what makes people like Lamont or anybody else sit down. When somebody comes to me and says, all I need is a million dollars, fair enough. Show me how your million dollars would be spent. No, just to give you a million, mainly distribution and marketing. Show me every penny line. I did that a lot. I do a lot. Again, I, do, I work, you know, I do the consulting strategy for people like you where it's like we design we design the down to the penny. This is how we'll figure it out. And for most people to understand the way record labels work, everybody thinks a record label is some major, oh, we got all the money in the world and we just create this. 
record labels go to investors. And then, I mean, when I worked for some of the labels on the production side, we would present the artists that we were going to sign and explain, this is why you should put your money into this. It came off as though it was X label, but most of the higher level legitimate labels, they're pulling money from other places. So if you can't sell Lamont, people like me, others, on why this can work, and not saying, oh, we're going to make our money from streaming. I sat down with a caddy explaining how he's going to make a million dollars from streaming. I said, I'm still owed half a million from streaming that I'll never see because streaming is not set up to profit people correct. Well, this person makes millions. They make millions off of back end <laughs> touring and the fact that they're famous. They haven't seen a penny exactly. from streaming. You know, well, I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna be able to sell this many shirts. Or my favorite thing is when people put in the touring budget. We're gonna to be touring 365 days a year. Get the hell out of my office. You're gonna die in the second month. I need to know that you're putting in no more than, you know, no, no more than 180 shows on average in a year. Nobody tours like Metallica. I mean, Metallica was jacked up on drugs and alcohol to let them tour that much. I mean, you you look at 12 you look at 12 months. How many days off are in there? Because investors are going to say, where is your travel? Don't tell me that you're going to go, you're going to be in, you know, oh, I'm going to be in Miami, Florida this night, and then I'm going to be in Dallas next. I could save on the airplane and spend a week touring you from Dallas, you know, from, from Dallas to Miami or wherever else. I mean, even when I did my book tour, I, I booked my book tour for Artist Guide like I did for um, – uh, like I did with like the record labels when they booked us for shows when we could when we could travel to all smaller markets we did New Orleans Birmingham Atlanta Chattanooga Nashville Charleston West Virginia Washington D.C. Baltimore Philly New York New London Boston and if you listen to those last you know eight or nine dates we were never on the road for more than four hours you know I mean that's the or- that's the organization of how to get out there not not the grandiose crap <laughs> well and that's the main thing too rant. about no but it's true and, and i appreciate that man because a lot of people don't understand the whole importance of uh branding and i hear it all the time you know because artists call me telling me they need shows and you know they need to work and i got that and my next question is well, well who the hell are you i mean who's gonna pay to come see you if they don't know about you exactly and what's going to draw them? How are you going to get media? I'm coming into town to play a show at a place where everybody plays shows. Congratulations. You're everyone. Tell me about what you're creating, what you're doing different, what you can do. I mean, for some of these younger artists, what could you do to support them, to support local communities, to say, hey, I'm coming in, and here's a music nonprofit. We're going to do 25% of everything we make, and we're going to give it to this nonprofit. There's some free media, there's some good karma, and there's a whole bunch of people advertising to get a whole bunch of people to your show so that they can benefit from it. Right. And people can, uh, there's a lot of means out there. And I know that's one of the things, too, that uh, people don't know, and I know you can touch on that a, a little bit if you would, how they can garner some free media. Earn media is the best. Earn media means it's free. The more, the more story that you can create to draw interest, the better. You know, building up and having legitimate press releases going out every three months with, you know, every six, a big one, a big national one, talking about what you're doing and not just another album. You know, I, I love, uh, you know, 
I love these kind of Hawaiian Tommy Bahama shirts. Since I left LA and moved to, uh, I live in Vero Beach, Florida. I I wear these shirts and shorts and sandals all the time. <laughs> I don't put shoes on anymore. I had to go. I had to go speak. I had to speak at this event where it was a full tie. They're like, "This is formal." I wrote back. I'm like, "Formal? What do you? I have to wear a tie?" Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> did you go? Did you go in there with some shorts and your your flowered shirts on? Well, you know, it's funny because the booking agent checked in on me and he's like, "Hey, no funny business." I'm like, "No, no, no, no. I got a real suit. <laughs> One." <laughs> <laughs> we, you know, we, we talk about these ideas like, you know, what could you do of a single, and that single have a have a download code that goes in the back of a shirt. The shirt off of your back is the only place to get this track. It's not available on a CD. It's not available on iTunes. It's not available on a digital download card. It's available on a shirt. Now, in turn, you're sharing about merchandising, but it's not just a band shirt. It's an exclusive song shirt. That's stuff to share to a media group. I mean, it's, it's that kind of thing with your local news, your local market. How can you jump on KTLA? Maybe you want to do background vocals from the KTLA morning crew and say, hey, we're going to do background on this song from KTLA, and then we're going to go to this other, this other news team for ABC. And, you know, I mean, you invite different ideas that invite, you know, invite the idea of, of free media. You want to go on to some radio show. As you pitch yourself to go on to the radio show, what can you do differently? You know, I'm not saying you need to shock jock, uh, you know, that, that it's got to be that Howard Stern thing or, 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 you know, those Steve Harvey pranks, but what could you do that might be a funny prank? What could one person show up like, well, you know what, uh, drummer talks too much. Um, so we, the entire time he's in the radio station, we're going to keep him duct taped. So now you've got this band in there. Okay, lots of people have seen bands, but they're sitting there with a guy duct taped on his mouth into a chair so he can't move. No mic for you. It's like no soup for you. It turns into this funny joke, and then the picture of it, it's shared across social media. It's every time you create a piece of media that's a little bit different than the media that everybody's used to, it's going to draw people in, and then it's going to draw the additional interest of people in the future to say, what are they going to do next? What are you going to do on stage? You're playing... You're playing another club that you played a billion times. Great. You're playing the whiskey. Oh, the world-famous whiskey. Were they not so world-famous band? Who cares? So each time you play the whiskey, what are you going to do that's different? Who are you going to bring in? What could be, you know, what could be some kind of weird giveaway? I worked with a band briefly called Ripopotamus. They had a song called Juicy Fruit. They went to this club called Pearl Street threw out four boxes of Juicy Fruit, took pictures of it. This is before social media. Took pictures of it and sent it to Juicy Fruit. That was, that was motion. That was marketing. All these musicians out there, you are so much more creative than you give yourself credit for in marketing. And when you go listen to the BS people that are like, I'll do your social media for you. Great. So somebody else is going to try to imitate your voice and not be authentic. That's not helping you. The stories that you have from the road, you know, I mean, these people that take pictures, this is my office for the evening. Look at all these chairs. Nobody cares. Do something fun. Become like that, that, that hoity-toity reviewer of, like, backstage bathrooms. You know, I mean, like, back when CBGB's was around. You know, I, I played there before they shut it down. I remember going in there thinking, I'm a guy, and I've been in some pretty crappy places. I couldn't use that bathroom. You could sit there and do a little <laughs> video off of your phone and be like, 
We, we're going to give this one a two-star. It appears that there is a rat that seems to be enjoying itself right over there in the corner. This, you know, I mean, the funny elements about people, places, things that you're around. What, you know, if you have this sense of what are they going to do next, why are they going to do that next, then you have people checking in day after day, next day after next day. That's cool. That's cool. Tell, I got another hot question here for you. Why should uh, a person avoid following some of the brand lessons of top companies and top labels? Outside of they don't have the money. Well, you know we don't we don't know um, we don't know the story. It's it's I mean, and I know a lot of people love this cat. I can't stand him, Gary Vanderchuk. 25% story, 75% you don't know, and 100% yelling. I don't believe in hustle. I believe in hard work. I don't believe that you have to work 16 hours a day. I think, I, I, I think that you can, work, you can work your tail off, but you can also live a life. And I think, I think from the standpoint of trying to follow these stories, Gary Vanderchuk talks about his Amazing success in turning a $4 million company into a $40 million company. His parents were rich. He graduated college, became a CMO immediately, a chief marketing officer, and then was able to hire people that were very smart to make people a lot of money. That's the missing right. link in the story. It's the missing link in music. We heard this happen. We heard that happen. It's hearsay. You don't know the truth. So when you follow that, when you follow some of that Gary stuff, it sends you off the deep end. When you follow the stories where you don't know where the budget was, you're being misguided and misdirected. For, I mean, to, to slightly address that, you figure out the best amount of time that wants to work for you. And for anybody that's going after a dream in music, if you are not living your life, you're dying a little bit inside. You, I mean, if all you do is focus on this single dream and you want to have focus and you want to work hard, but if you have a girlfriend, if you have a hobby, these are things that can draw joy for you that can make you work better i don't believe you know, gary's like i do this i do this i do this i have i have, I have my kids and blah 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 and they never see me but i'm a hard worker i'm not going to be that kind of father i work from home i have an office i'm able to be in the lifestyle that i want i could work a lot more i could make a lot more money i could travel a lot more but i don't i'm thrilled to book this interview with you and it's been so much fun talking to you this has been staged around a time when I got back home after the gym, my daughter is out with a babysitter. Once I get, once I get off, I have, I have a 6 o'clock meeting tonight, East Coast time, and I, I am cut off by 6.30 so I can feed her dinner and put her to bed. That's part of my dream. And there's, there's a certain right. level where in following, in following these major label ideas, or man, well, this guy can do this. David Byrne is so full of crap. That, 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 that cat from the talking head, this is how social media works. Everything you say is wrong because you were famous before social media. So the minute you come on social media, millions of people automatically follow you. You can get away with whatever because you've been a staple for more than 30 years. I want to hear from <laughs> yeah. the people. Hey, hey, look, and that's the part, that's the part that they miss when they start their little dialogue to tell people. Exactly. I mean, they, I mean, what, what's his name? The dude from the Foo Fighters and originally Nirvana. This is, how you, this is all you got to do. You didn't know the business that was happening behind the, behind the scenes. And now you share people with as much of the story as you know, but you don't realize. So the realization, and, and kind of in a close to that question, 
the due diligence that you practice to look into the story, to see if that story applies to you. You want to be inspired by a certain artist? By all means, be inspired. But make sure that you're going on a path that you can go on. If you own a Kia and you spend $700 to go watch a Maserati clinic on how to care for your Maserati, you get home, okay, great, you know how to handle a Maserati, but you're not taking care of your own car. That's not a good way to spend money. (laughs) And that's what a lot of these major labels, people say, well, if I do this and I do that and I do this, you can't. Hopefully someday you'll be able to or you'll be at that level, but work from the level of where you are with what you have, with the team that you can build and the growth that you can achieve, and then you will grow to greater success than trying to emulate stories that have nothing to do with, nothing to do with you and that ones that you don't understand. One key point I want you to speak on real quickly, um, Lauren. I, I see here you, you mentioned playing up like you more is leaving you with a lot less than these days. What do you mean by that? I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, you faded out there for a second. Say that again. Playing up like you are more is leaving you with a lot less these days. What did you mean by that statement? You know, that's that's just your your your, your famous hype. Man, I'm just I'm just killing it. Um, you know, we're 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 worldwide. Oh man, we you know, everybody loves us. We're making a fortune. When you're falsifying the fan base, the profit, or what you have, then it appears as though you don't need it. And at the same time, if you're falsifying what you don't have, like we talked about earlier with the website, so you have the most, you have millions and billions of hits, and you're a number one website, or you're a bestseller. And then people go on Amazon and find out that's not so true. Or they check that Alexa ranking, that's not so true. They shut the door to you. You say, you've got, I got management, I got a label, I got representation, I got that. Fine, then maybe, there's, maybe there is that manager, that representation, that label that genuinely was interested in you and interesting in investing time and money. But what they read about you made them say, okay, well, they've already got somebody. They don't need me. We lose. <laughs> yeah, you're already there. <laughs> You're already there. We lose this sense of like, oh well, um, uh, I guess uh, I guess they don't need me, and and that, right. and that just kills it for them. And so so yeah, my my biggest thing is play it humble. Would you? I mean, would you be able to if you were in front of your the, the biggest person that you admire the most in music in business? Could you share your place of where you are the same way in front of your hero? as you could in, in the same way in front of a fan. If you can't, you need to adjust the dialogue because inside of your humility, what you would say to that person that you look up to or that person that might invest in you as to the person that's looking up to you, when that is uniform and that message is true, more people are going to be there to help you because if you're changing right. your message every time for the different audience, the audiences are going to catch on. It's going to come off contrived and it's not going to connect. Lauren, don't want to cut you off, but we're down to the last minute, man. I want you to tell the people where to go get your book and stuff really quick. <laughs> visit me uh, you know, visit me anywhere online at laurenweisman.com, L-O-R-E-N-W-E-I-S-M-A-N. Uh, I'm on it's Facebook, it's Instagram, it's all these places. And really, I'm going gonna, I'm, um, I'm to send you, because uh, I've just had such a fun time with you, Lamar, I'm, I'm going to send you a downloadable copy of The Artist Guide. Anybody that wants it, just Connect with uh, connect with Lamont. You, you get a free copy. You don't need to buy it. We're having we're having a good time. I, I hope we get to connect again, man. 
Okay, man, I'm sure we will, man. We're going to be talking again soon, man, because uh, I definitely want to chop it up with you a lot, lot more. And uh, I appreciate you so, so, so much, man, for spending time with us today, man. And I enjoyed you tremendously, too, man. You're a great guy, man. And I'm sure we'll be talking a lot really, really soon. And thanks so much, man. Thank you, man. Pop me, pop me an email. I will send you a copy of that book for your crew uh, and your listeners. And thank you again for having me. Oh, man, it's been our pleasure, man. We'll be talking again soon. Mr. Lauren Wiseman, everybody, make sure you hear the show from the beginning. It'll be available everywhere, and we will be back next week this time. Take care.
every single day. 